the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians and Possible Viking Descendants. My name is Ben. My name is Noel. I used to have a little red in my beard. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I'm a possible Viking descendant? Well, it means you definitely have the possibility of that red-haired gene. That's right. Uh, you know, we would need to we'd need to do some more testing. I also have a red beard when I grow it out. And in the part of Tennessee where I'm from, there is this old folk saying about how you can't trust someone who has two different colors of facial hair. Mm. So like I have brown hair on my head and then red hair on my face, not to be trusted. What about people with two different color eyes? Because I have the two different colored beard and two different color eyes. Does right. that mean I'm super untrustworthy? Uh, no, no, no. Not in, not in my part of the world. Fair at least enough. heterochromia, okay. they seem fine with. Do, well, would they think I'm a witch? Mm, I think you might have to have a milky eye. Or uh -huh. very, like, apparently different eye, you That's know? What's been on? Uh, but you know who is super trustworthy, Noel? Tell me. Our super producer, Casey Pegram. Who is also, I believe, not, not a Viking. Is that correct, Casey? That is correct, yes. <laughs> I mean, he's not an active Viking. His raiding days are behind him. <laughs> right. I don't want to talk about it. Fair enough. Okay. So we were, we were talking uh, about Viking names a little bit before we went on the air today. And one of the questions, one of the questions I have, we have one character in this story named Hostine the Raider. And the question is, how many raids do you have to accomplish? How many do you have to rack up or have under your belt for that to become part of your name? I know I said save it for the pod and you did not like that. 
It's kind of like telling someone to shut up. That's not true. Well, I don't know if that's the intention. It just, no, it just means uh, this conversation would be best had it spontaneously in one go instead of doing it once and then trying to do it again. Because the magic is never the same, Ben. I see where you're coming from. But it is like telling someone to shut up. Okay, Ben. That's fair. <laughs> but um, but I, I seriously wonder, though, Noel, is like, do you do one raid? Or do you do five? That's a really good question. Uh, I mean, surely there's a metric for these things. Or maybe he gave himself his own nickname? Ooh, good call. That's interesting. I bet that's I bet that's true because it is kind of a, a badass nickname. Oh, yeah. And you can tell in a lot of these stories when someone has a, a not quite complimentary nickname like Charles the Bald or something. Exactly. That was probably bestowed upon him by people that didn't care for him too much. Yeah, propaganda. But why Why are we talking about Vikings today, Noel? What, what's this deal with Hosting the Raider? Hosting the Raider and his homie Bjorn Ironside. Great name. Also a great name. They, they did a little military blunder that's a lot of fun. Uh, it involves some sort of Trojan horse-like tactics. Yeah. Uh, it involves possible decapitation of members of the clergy. And a whole lot of raping and pillaging and raiding along the way. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, at least that is if they actually existed. That's the strange part. I hate that part about history yeah. where it's like, God, this is so great, but it's probably not true. Yeah, or it's or they'll try to make it a little more optimistic and say, well, they may have been real people. You're, you're thinking, what? I, I'm so invested in this story right now. Right. So take it with a grain of salt. This was a long, long time ago. Hostine was a Viking chieftain in the late 9th century. And some of the characters in today's story are going to be familiar to you if you are a fan of the television series, Vikings. Yes, it's did, true. Do you ever check that out? I haven't. I watched a little bit of it here and there, but I also know apparently it takes quite a few liberties with some of these stories as well. And their depiction of uh, the character of Bjorn Ironside, mm. he doesn't quite do what he probably actually did in <laughs> the historical accounts because it helped them with their storyline a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Was that on History Channel? I think it was like the, the, the weird, anomalous, like big budget kind of Game of Thronesy type show <laughs> on the History Channel. That's right. Well, let us know if you're a fan, and let us know what you think they got right or wrong, but this is a, as much as we can determine, an historically true tale. It right? does seem that way, yes. Yeah, so we don't know much about Hostine the Raider in <laughs> his early life, aside from the fact that, you know, he raided a bunch of stuff. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't ironic. No. Uh, and he came from a, a, a well-established bloodline. Yeah, all signs point to him being the son of a Ragnar Lothbrok. And apparently, that was also Bjorn Ironside's father. So they, they were possibly brothers? They were possibly brothers, or because Bloodline was such a big deal in this culture at this time, it is also completely possible that Hosting just said that to try to get some more street cred, ship cred. Got it. Vikings. So these Vikings, they, they kind of had a singular mission, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they had uh, the the raiding economy, if you want to call it that. Oh, right? I do. It's a it's a it's a huge part of the life of this culture. So much so that, of course, people would get appellations or names for the, their performance or lack of performance in a raid. And if there was a really well done raid, 
then it would become part of this oral tradition. It was a legend. So Ragnar Lothbrok, one of his big claims to fame was the sacking of Paris. This occurred in 845, and 5,000 Vikings led by Ragnar took over Paris. It was the largest, richest, uh, most defended city in Northern Europe. This, this, was a, this was like a very violent proto-heist, right? And the king of the time, Charles the Bald, uh, paid a huge ransom of 7,000 pounds of silver to Ragnar just to make him go away. Yeah, that'll do it. So that's what a sacking is, right? It's so yeah. interesting, that term, because I think of it in the British parlance as getting fired. Mm-hmm. But it also means like getting kind of conquered, which I guess they sort of mean the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I completely, I, I, I guess I could see that, yeah. That's an interesting etymology. Well, that 7,000 pounds of silver did not work. They returned a decade later to sack the city again. Yeah, there's no honor among Vikings, I guess. Yes, yeah. And uh, the French in that time were prepared, and they were able to fight the Vikings off. But then in 857, Bjorn Ironside, son of Ragnar, actual son, uh, he takes his crew, and they return to Paris, but— they notice that Paris is is in ruins. Uh, only f- after after they're done looting, only four out of the what twenty five to thirty something churches were left standing, and they were encouraged by this wanton mayhem, this gleeful destruction. And they said, "You know what? Raids are cool. Raids are super cool, but Paris has kind of been done. Let's go for something bigger." Why was it in such ruins, Ben? So from 845 to 857, we're talking about three different sackings. There's not enough time for the city to really repair itself. You know what I mean? You can only squeeze so much. I was going to say milk from a cow, but that seems weird. You can't get blood from a stone. Poor Paris. Yeah. Haven't they had enough? I mean, so that's basically what the the takeaway was, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, they were literally like, you know what? I think... uh, I think we're going to leave them alone this time, right? (laughs) Right, pretty much, right? Now, Ben, we should probably really quickly mention that Hostein was such a badass (laughs) that he actually had quite a few names, whether they were aliases or other nicknames, but Mm -hmm. he was known, uh, a.k.a. Half Dan? That's my favorite one, by the way. Does that mean he's like half a Dan? He's not a full Dan. He's half the Dan he (laughs) used to be? Yes. Half the Dan he used to be. I like that. Uh, He's also Alsting. Mm-hmm. And also Hasting with that really cool A-E uh, combined letter. What do you call that, Ben? Technically speaking, it's a grapheme formed from the letters A and E. It originally represented the Latin diphthong A-E and just sort of got smushed into one thing. Got it. Got it. So at this point, um, Hastin and Bjorn decide to make their way to the south of France uh, on the Loire River. Loire. Aha. Casey on the case. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Usually we, I thought it was always vampire rules with you, Casey. We, we invoke you. We, I thought we had to invite you in. No. Just had to jump in there. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't <laughs> let that, uh, that gross mispronunciation stand. Just trying to save us all some emails. I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, man. Um, so we're Loire? Loire? Loire. 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 So yeah, so they're sailing, uh, I believe a fleet of 62 ships mm-hmm. down the Loire River. Excuse me. Casey, I don't need to have you popping into my head again. Uh, and they're going to the Iberian Peninsula. So um, where they are is in what is today modern-day France, and then they're going to um, what is now Spain and Portugal. And along the way, 
they don't always do too hot because they're kind of persona non grata at this point. They keep running around sacking places and pillaging and just having their way. So people are kind of wise to them a little bit at this point, aren't they? Yeah, this is all during this time. This is part of the Umayyad Caliphate, and you can only do this kind of thing so many times before people start realizing there's trouble afoot. You know what I mean? Unless you kill everyone in the town you attack. So they did not have a flawless record. In fact, when they were raiding ships along the Galatian coast, they found that the local resistance overall was just too strong. So they weren't moving because they were maybe seeking greater riches. They were seeking easier targets. Easier pickings. Easier pickings. Yes, sir. That's how a lot of predators work, you know. And so they moved on to pillage the west coast of the Emirate. And there they started encountering more success. So the Coast Guard of the time captured two longships scouting ahead of the main fleet and they found that these ships, these scout ships, were already full of treasure and food and slaves or captives that were destined to be enslaved. So at this point, they're almost in, they're almost uh, switching their tactics to more traditional pirate kind of moves. <laughs> right, 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 right. And they suffer another defeat when they land in southwest Spain. The fleet next goes to the mouth of the Guadalquivir uh, with the intention maybe historians guess of attacking Seville for a second time but then they got confronted by the Moorish fleet these were actual trained soldiers they had maritime war tactics these were not just helpless fishing communities and didn't they lose a whole bunch of ships and men in, the, in this confrontation yeah because the Moorish fleet had incendiary weapons they were literally lighting them up and the yeah the ships burned People died. What did the Vikings use typically? Were they using like, I mean, axes, I imagine, in close combat, but what what would they use in sea combat, do you think? Well, one thing we know for sure is that it was a longstanding rule of theirs to leave town, to leave the scene if resistance was too strong. That's mm -hmm. why they're raiders, you know what I mean? Um, so if we're, if we're guessing, we know that a lot of their fleets had little to no cohesion. You know, it's kind of like more like a convoy on the road. I see. Yeah. So they didn't attack ships with the intent of destroying them. They wanted to board them. So one of their common tactics was to try to ram ships. And then once they're close enough, jump on the ship. There you go. And then they probably go to town with those battle axes, mm -hmm. right? With their melee weapons. But I do believe they also used bows and arrows and spears and things like that. And I could picture shooting volleys of arrows, you know. Mm -hmm. onto other ships, possibly. I don't know. I can't confirm that, but it seems like that would be one way of getting it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So typically their their aim was to get in close quarters to kill, enslave, plunder. Uh, but this other fleet that is well, uh, well accustomed to maritime ship-on-ship -ship warfare, they're, you know, they're Wu-Tang style. They're nothing to with. Yeah, for sure. No, and I mean, they were designed for that purpose of ramming as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way the whole the whole ship was kind of built with that uh, in mind. <laughs> and so, as, as we said, Noel, uh, they encounter professional naval forces, and they get the uh, horn slapped off the helmets, which, by the way, is a stereotype. <laughs> and, uh, and they were barely able to make their way home. The few that were left alive were forced to pay a ransom to escape. 
But this defeat, this ignominious defeat, did not scare or extinguish the thirst for vast treasures and glory on the part of Bjorn Ironside and Hastin. Mm, half Dan. Half Dan. I love Half Dan. <laughs> Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes. You heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So at this point, they've had some wins. They've had some losses, you know, mm -hmm. but they still want more. That's sort of the nature of this kind of life, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't really rest on your laurels, you know, otherwise you'll be seen as weak and then you won't be the toughest Viking in the sea, right? And, and then, then what's the point? Really? What's the point? Well, no, it's, it's kind of like mob rules, right? Like if it's as soon as you let up and stop, you know, kicking people's asses all the time mm -hmm. and kick, taking collections, then all of a sudden someone else is going to move in on your turf. So they couldn't have that. And I think we've all heard that expression, all roads lead to Rome. Mm -hmm. At this time, that was especially true because Rome was seen as like the crown jewel of sackable places, right? Like that's the one that you would guarantee to have a crazy incredible hall because it was full of riches and wealth and it had, like we had this whole, you know, civilized society with culture and like it was just practically the streets were paved with gold. Right. 
In the minds of these Vikings. In the minds of these Vikings. And this leads us to uh, another character we have to introduce, the Norman monk, Dudo of St. Quentin. Ah, Dudo. Ah, Dudo. Dude. Oh. Uh, We don't know a ton about this guy, except he was born around 965. He was in the Norman court, Normandy, for a while. And in his second stay in Normandy, he wrote his history of the Normans. And as for the rest of his life, we know that he died sometime before 1043. So we don't know a whole heck of a lot about him, but we do know that he is the source of the story that takes place next. Here's what happens. According to the story, Bjorn Ironside, and his buddy Halfdan, they land in in a place after they've been raiding the coast of Africa and, and getting their butts whipped by some professional naval forces. They land somewhere in, in Italy, and they think, this is the most amazing city. Holy smokes, bro. We made it. We're in Rome, and we're about to get down. We are going to tear the place up. <laughs> We're going to light it up. YOLO. Big time. <laughs> it's total Viking yolo sitch. <laughs> so they want to use a little bit of cunning because from everything they know about Rome, it's huge. It's uh, a home to opulent wealth, and it's probably very well protected, right? So they said, there's no way we can take this by force. Like, we're we're great guys, half Dan, but we we got to think this through. Let's, yeah. let's think this through. Our usual bloodthirsty, ruthless kind of smash and grab techniques are not going to serve us in this particular situation. Yeah. Half Dan. <laughs> That's Dan. how that went. <laughs> yeah. This is a, this is a recreating. This is a right recreation. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so then you say, okay, well, let's, let's give it a night. Let's think on it. The next morning, a small group of Vikings approaches the city walls and uh, they say, Hold on, hold on, hang on. I know we look crazy, dressed in furs and dirty and sea-worn, but we have not come to plunder you. We have no strength left. We're exhausted. We've been traveling a lot. Uh, Could you just make peace with us and let us buy what we need, you know, like food and provisions? Our chiefs are weak and broken, and uh, we need help. And our boy Halfdan here is not doing so well. Yeah, he is on death's door. And he has seen the light yeah. and the way of Rome. He and seeks the absolution of your uh, religious leaders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's keep our opinions out of it because he's the boss. So he needs to be uh, baptized. If he dies here, he wants to be buried in this city, a Christian burial. Consecrated ground. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I think you know that probably like it, it, the word conversion is like catnip <laughs> to these people, you know. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah. sure, the heathens, you want one, 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 we'll give one to God, let's do it, let him in, open the gates. So, I, I guess he and like a, a couple of his associates come in, mm-hmm. right? And you'll hear a couple different versions of the yeah. story, right? In one story, Hostinger Halfdan is already dead, quote unquote, and they, his followers take this coffin in there to just get the burial. In other versions of the story, he is taken in and he's, the the technical word is malingering. He's acting like he's uh, a little more ill than he actually is. And he sits through 
a baptism ceremony, right? They oint, yeah. anoint him with holy ointment and oil, and he's smiling, and then he falls backwards on a stretcher. He's carried back to the ship by his companions. Really doing a real Meisner number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after after the, he gets carried back, they're doing a con, right? And so now the the people trust that the Vikings are sincere. And again, according to <laughs> Dudo, <laughs> I love that name. According to Dudo, this is when Half Dan says to his followers, when night comes, you shall say to the priest and the duke that I am dead and fervently pray that I may be buried in their city. Say that you want to give them the sword and bracelet and everything that belongs to me. Spooky stuff. <laughs> right? Treachery too, right? Yeah, Tre- indeed. Treachery most foul. And so they go back and they say, our chief, as you have just named him, is dead. Uh, We pray that he can be buried in your convent and that you receive these rich gifts he gave for you on his deathbed. So, hey, there's an upside for you, Rome. But what happens next? Oh, well, my favorite version of the story is when he pops out of the coffin and uh, (laughs) slices off the head of a priest and then says, you know, YOLO. And then (laughs) he and his dudes charge back through the city to the gate. They open it up to the horde, you know, the remaining uh, foot soldiers, I guess. And then something occurs to uh, Bjorn or uh, Halfdan. Or Hastine. Hastine. Yes. Uh, uh, It's a a terrible realization, Ben. (laughs) A quite embarrassing realization. I'm not sure what did it for them, but something, (laughs) there was an aha moment or like an oh moment. Mm -hmm. And what did they realize? They had successfully sacked the wrong city, a completely different city. They were uh, Viking rubes. From the wild, they had no idea that uh, they never made it to Rome. Instead, they were in a a different town. Yeah, it was called Luna. And again, these are all uh, some questionable retellings of this because there are two different versions. We'll tell you the other one in a second. But in one version of this, they were so embarrassed that they massacred the entire population of the city. They don't take well to surprises, I guess. So, yeah, according to this version, they turn into full-on lunatics. They kill everyone, or at least all the adult men. And then they say, okay, we're going to keep sailing. We're going southeast, maybe to Alexandria and Egypt or something. And then they raid the Mediterranean for a few years. Then they return home. Never to tell people of their embarrassing uh, wrong turn. (laughs) That's right. And then there's a whole another conflict involving Alfred the Great where uh, the um, forces of Hastin and Bjorn are kicking it around um, mm-hmm. Europe, United Kingdom specifically, mm-hmm. Wales. Um, actually, his family gets abducted by uh, the forces of Alfred the Great and he ends up having to negotiate with him to get his family returned to him. And uh, one thing leads to another and he does not succeed and he more or less disappears from history around 896. There's really no more mention of Hastin, Halfdan, Alsting, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, yeah, he, you're, you're correct. He disappears around 896. By then, he is an elderly man. He's been described as the uh, lusty and terrifying old warrior of the Loire and the Somme. Uh, and we now know that he was one of the most notorious and successful Vikings of all time, But can't be that way without making enemies. So the Norman monk Dudo of St. Quentin uh, was incredibly critical of our boy Halfdan. He said, quote, 
This was a man accursed, fierce, mightily cruel and savage, pestilent, hostile, sombre, truculent, given to outrage, pestilent and untrustworthy, fickle and lawless, death-dealing, uncouth, fertile in ruses, <laughs> warmonger general, traitor, fomenter of evil, and double-dided dissimulator. Goodness gracious. <laughs> right? That is a war of words right there, my friend. Fertile in ruses is such a great insult. He also uses pestilent twice. <laughs> Which I I, I I couldn't help but notice that. But yeah, so he definitely lives on in infamy, even after, you know, disappearing from the record. You're right. He doubled down on pestilence. He really did. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hey, Noel. Have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. So the question then becomes uh, a matter of how much we can trust Dudo. You know what I mean? Is he just spinning tales to amuse himself? Or, you know, what are his sources? So we can say that this still counts as ridiculous history, despite the fact that many, many people died, uh, because these guys, if we are to believe the story, were so intelligent that they figured out a Trojan horse type ruse or heist on their own. Sure. 
but still didn't know what city they were in. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like they had all the maps or anything. They were kind of just like going by their gut, their Viking guts. So thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. We hope that you enjoyed today's... Man. Every time. I thought maybe it wasn't going to happen again. Every time. Yeah. It's time. Gentlemen, <laughs> Jonathan Strickland, the Quister, or as you like to call him, the Quizzler. <laughs> Do I take his like a? It's like it's using like, his name in vain or something. Right? It's like a Twizzler. I'll have you know that Quizzler is a trademarked candy coming straight from the chocolate shop. I also happen to run. Why are you announcing that in such an arch way? I mean, congratulations, man. That's it's cool. Evil candy. That's Do you sell those giant gobstopper things, like the jawbreakers, you know, that are impossible to fit in your mouth? Is it like that frustrating candy? Right, yes, the mm. kind that you have to unhinge your jaw in order to put it yeah. in there, and then you're, then you're just stuck. So you sell, like, stuck with it. edgy, inconvenient candy? We like to turn good kids into horrible kids and then release them upon the world. I don't go in for all this nonsense of taking evil kids and then, you know turning them into blueberries. That's just, that's amateur work. Okay, okay. This became a, a, a bit of an exercise to throw some shade at Wonka, huh? Mm, you get nothing. <laughs> All right. You lose. Actually, well, it's a little early for that. Good day, sir. Yes let's, yes. let's find out if you will lose because we all know that I've been summoned here and that uh, tis, well, uh-huh. tis my want. Whenever I find out, when I finally figure out who is summoning you, uh, the woe be unto them. I yeah. just say there's a little button under one of these desks, and when pu- someone pushes it, a light comes on at my desk, and I run over here as fast as my little legs can carry. Is me. it like a bat phone kind of situation? <laughs> Do you have like a red telephone that blinks, or a, a tele what? Yeah, okay. Join the 21st century, Noel. Fair. All right. Fair. So, as I understand it, you're talking about a invasion mm-hmm. in, in this. So, yeah. I, I a have, sacking. I've come up with a my a own ransacking. my mm-hmm. own invasion. A quandary. If you do not understand, those listening, what is happening, I don't blame you. <laughs> Haven't bothered to explain it yet. Oh, let's do let's do that part. So this is the this is the part of the show where you, Jonathan Strickland, the quizster, mm-hmm. uh, arrive all, uh, at the most unexpected moments, which tend to universally be toward the end of the show. F- fully in disguise, despite the fact that you have already established I am, in fact, Jonathan Strickland, the Quizster. Yes, yes, these are all true things. And you are here to once again test our knowledge. Uh, you are going to give us a scenario, is that correct? That is a scenario, and then you will determine whether or not, in fact, the scenario I present to you represents a true event in history, or if I made it up seas. And you will have three minutes to do so. In that three minutes, you will also be allowed to ask questions of me, but only if you first obey a rule of arbitrary nature that I will come up with at the time of the question. So first I will give you the scenario, mm-hmm. then I will tell you what the rule is you must follow to ask any questions, and then we shall begin the great grandfather clock timer. Oof. Okay, you, guys. You haven't touched that since daylight saving time. No, okay, look. It's I just, irritating me. It's an entire hour off. I, I, don't, I don't support daylight saving time for the record. Mm, yeah. I, I choose to. Daylight waster. Yeah, well. But we just spent so much money on this clock. Quick peek behind the curtain. This was a television show originally, but we blew the budget on this enormous clock, and that's my fault, and I, now we're a podcast. I still feel obligated to wear the costume, though. Thank you, man. Thank. Yeah, well, and I just want to apologize. I'm sorry, Noel. I'm sorry, Casey. I'm somewhat sorry. 
Shout out to these tights chafe. <laughs> you, so where are we? What's, here's your scenario. Right. Here we are. The year 1625 saw an entire English invasion of Spain called off on account of drunkenness. Allow me to explain. For complicated reasons involving a Spanish princess giving the cold shoulder to Prince Charles, the son of James I, the Duke of Buckingham wanted to use the English fleet to put a hurt on Spain. James died in 1625, and his boy Chuck became Charles I. Chuck dissolved Parliament, and Buckingham got to have his invasion, except he forgot to supply the boats. So the fleet attacked Cadiz, Spain, and takes over a superfluous fort. And the commander of the invasion, seeing that he didn't have the food and supplies needed to feed his invasion force, gave the English permission to sack the fort's supplies. And so the English began to drink copious amounts of wine until the entire force of 15,000 soldiers were drunk as skunks. Seeing no way to victory, the commander ordered a retreat and Spain's invasion was cut very short due to public drunkenness. Now, your arbitrary rule is, before you ask a question, you must make a toast. <laughs> start the timer. All right, give me a running start. Oof, all right. And we're off to the races. What do you think, man? Mm. He's so good at this. He's really good at this. <laughs> and I hate to say it. I hate to even give a shred of a compliment to the quizster, but he really knows how to push my buttons. Yes, yes. Uh, let's see. That wasn't helpful for the question. No, I'm no, just, that's good. It's valuable mm-hmm. context, man. Um, a toast. A toast to Half Dan. Good enough. He what was, is it, he Mr. Was in, he was in the episode that we mm-hmm. just did. Uh, okay, so how common was wine at this time? Extremely. You know, wine is ancient. Yeah, and, and this was Spain, which is not that far from, I don't know if you know your geography, France. All right. Also, I... Uh, a toast to uh, tuba solos. <laughs> You're not even trying, Mr. Bowling. Go ahead. <laughs> They're great. Uh, was was Spain uh, uh, a caliphate at that time? This is immaterial of the question. The, I know. I've just I've just tried to fulfill <laughs> myself. That I is... can give you a lot more details if you want. I can either make them up, seas, or I can tell you okay. real things about That's 1625 true. Spain. That's true. That's an irrelevant question on my part. Uh, Noel, do you have a question? <sighs> I just don't even know where to start. I'm just so flummoxed by this one. I um, I tend to lean towards. I'm going with true. You. Okay, you want to lock it in? Yeah, let's lock it in. All right, three, two, one, true. You are correct. Yes! Yes! This actually did happen. Let me explain what was happening, because (laughs) the story gets so much crazier, but really, that was running long already, and I didn't want to make it the super long one. So, here's the story. We have uh, James I of England, Mm -hmm. and he wants to make peace with Spain. There were been hostilities between the two nations for quite some time. You might have heard of a little thing called the Spanish Armada. I think Elizabeth was Mm -hmm. all not having it. Anyway, to secure peace in the Renaissance really meant one thing, which is marry one of your kids to one of the snot-nosed kids of the other place and then hope that everything turns out all right. So James reaches out to see if perhaps they might be able to arrange a marriage between Mm -hmm. a infanta of the Spanish... Uh, royalty, 
and his son, Charles I, or Charles at that point. And Charles and Buckingham went incognito to Spain. That means, Noel, they weren't letting everyone know who they were. Are you, are you condescending to me, sir? Mm. So they they go to Spain. Jonathan, they, condescending means talk down to people. Oh, you're talking to an <laughs> expert. The Infanta says, mm, yeah. thanks, but no thanks, Chuck. I don't think you're really revving my engines. And so they return to England, Buckingham immediately. Buckingham, by the way, was one of James I's favorites, possibly lover. And they wanted to uh, immediately to create an invasion of Spain. James I didn't want to make things worse. Mm. So until he died, which was in 1625, that's how things stood. Then they tried to get Parliament to agree to this invasion. But they were worried that perhaps Parliament would agree to the invasion, but then not pay for it to happen. So they waited until Charles, now Charles I, dissolved Parliament. So Parliament is not in session. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they go and mount this invasion. They hire a Dutch uh, commander who was a brilliant land soldier (laughs) to take up this armada, invade Spain. They take over a fort that doesn't remotely give them access to the town they actually need to take. And the only supplies they had any access to were wine. And then the commander says, tell you what, why don't you guys go ahead and get yourself something to drink because uh, this might take a while. And they got a rotten, stinging drunk. They ran away. Uh, 1,000 English soldiers were left behind. Not a single shot was fired in that invasion. And all 1,000 English soldiers were put to the sword. Cheerful, cheerful end to that story. Run through, as it were. They, They probably didn't notice having been full of sack, which is a very strong wine. Oh, wow. Hey, we're back to yeah, sack. We're back to sack. Because <laughs> we were debating, uh, we were, actually, we were trying to figure out on the fly while we were recording the difference between sack, ransack, and looting. And there's not really one. Well, and also sack as in getting fired yeah. in Britain. And then sack as in taking over a city. Well, and there's also sack, which is very strong wine. Which I, I love now. I'm going to refer to any, like, cheap, Cheap wine is sack. Yeah. You should. Henry Henry the Fourth, Part One. Falstaff is known for his sack. That's uh, a that's a pun as well. I think we. Okay, okay, good. So, so, so very bawdy. Middle school. Shakespeare <laughs> that, that was a dirty, <laughs> dirty man. He was a bawdy yeah. boy. Middle school me uh, was it completely off base? Jonathan Strickland, also known as the Quister. Uh, thank you for returning to the show. I think we're still. A little behind him. You, in terms you might of be only one role. behind me yeah. at this point. I think All we're right. almost even. So. I think so. Next you know what that match. means? Yeah. I'm going to get way worse. <laughs> I don't know that that's possible. <laughs> you're kind of the worst. I think I, I, I think you're all right. I, I appreciate learning. I'm going to use the word sack a lot more. I feel like I never appreciated it. You're sort of now. a Carmen Sandiego type figure, mm-hmm. you know? Carmen mm-hmm. Sandiego. Uh, it's, it's true that Rockapella sings wherever I go. <laughs> so, so I, Jonathan, I, I feel like we don't say this uh, too often when you are on the show. Uh, you can be found not just here, but on your other podcast, Tech Stuff and The Brink, mm-hmm. as well as Large Nerdron Collider. Coming of, soon. 
available wherever you find your favorite shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in the meantime, we hope that you enjoyed this story. Uh, If you find names as cool as uh, Half Dan or Bjorn Ironside, let us know. Sackman. Sackman. Half half sack. There you go. We got to get out of here. Something (laughs) happened. People can tell we're recording on a Friday. Uh, Yeah, Liz, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Join your fellow listeners over at our Facebook page, Ridiculous Historians. Dare we say it's more than just a page. It's a family. Aw. I don't dare. No, go. Yeah, you're, you're there you're, all the yeah, time. No, I, I know I'm there. I, I don't dare say it's a family. That's oh, because oh, that, that, that would be far. nice. <laughs> well, because the holidays are coming up, and I already have a really long shopping list. That's fair. That makes sense. Well, thanks to all of you guys out there in podcast land. Thanks to you, Ben, for being such a good co-host and friend, and happy holidays and all of that. Uh, Quister, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh. You know, um, I gave you a little present as your desk. Don't drink it. I feel badly about it now. Oh, thanks for the heads up. Ew. What? What? Okay. You know Sack. what? We're a family show. So thanks to you, Casey Pegram, as always. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our track, and Chris Frasiotis, our uh, research associate for this episode. And stay tuned for the next episode, where we talk about the surprising roots <laughs> of the Tooth Fairy. See you then. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.